2016, Adam David Jones woke up from a coma in a trauma center with no memory of how he got there. They told him someone had smashed the back of his skull in with a cinder block and that half of his skull was gone from emergency surgery. A month earlier, the day after Good Friday, Adam was busy working at a political rally he had organized in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Later that evening, after it was over and he was getting ready to leave, a friend asked if he would accompany her to an after party she was invited to. He agreed to go because she didn't know the man who asked her and he wanted her to feel safe. When they were close to the party, the man suddenly said they might not all be welcome and wanted one of them to leave. Adam volunteered and that was the last thing he remembered. Fast forward a year and the trial takes place to seek justice for the attack. After Adam's friend testified, he was called to the stand, but Adam was unable to identify the attacker due to his lack of memory of the event. Despite the fact that police found the accused attacker at the scene of the crime covered in Adam's blood and with Adam's money in his pocket, it was considered a he said, she said case and he was found not guilty. This was the moment Adam was inspired to create Zeer, a next generation personal and public safety tech that creates a frictionless response from when you are in danger to allow you to get help and record evidence to prosecute the person who attacked you. In this episode, Adam shares how Zeer will be able to alert users to danger through the use of data that factors in time of day, area and temperature to name a few. Additionally, Adam shares how Zeer can specifically help victims of domestic violence by initiating a recording using a safe word that begins the recording without the attacker knowing and either stores it in the cloud, contacts an emergency contact, contacts the police or all of the above. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. So I am Adam David Jones. I am the founder and CEO of Zeer. Zeer is next generation public and personal safety. So Zeer creates a frictionless response from when you're in danger to how you get help to when you prosecute the asshole who might have hurt you. Awesome. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to going into like the technical details of like how this works. And before we do that, I was wondering if you could share for our listeners, like how Zeer began and the reason you wanted to create oh, this company. Absolutely. Um, so Zeer began, you might say six years ago. In 2016, I was organizing a voter registration event, had all my friends there, had a bunch of bands, got hundreds of people registered to vote. And at the end of the night, I accompanied my friend to a party that a stranger had asked her to. On the way to that party, this stranger struck me in the back of the head with the cinder block or toilet seat, something he found on the ground, and I was almost killed. Later, after I woke from a coma, about a year after the attack, he, was a, he represented himself at a trial said that he did not do it. I could remember nothing. I had been in a coma for a month, but he was covered in my blood. They picked him up. He had my money in his pocket. He represented himself at the trial, and then he was acquitted by that jury. At that moment, what Zeer became started. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that might not have been easy, but I am so glad that you took something from that and turned it into a positive and hopefully these horrific events can at least be deterred in some way by Zeer. So, I mean, I would love to know, like, what is Zeer doing to hopefully prevent these sorts of things and how does it work? That's a great question. So 
when I came into this, I came into it from a survivor standpoint and a survivor who did not receive justice. So I sort of started on the other end of things. How do I prosecute people who deserve it? How do I help people get justice? And how do we have a faster response system in the United States where it can still take 10 minutes to get help, even when you're having a heart attack or getting beat up, even when it's life and death? And then I thought, well, how can we prevent crime, which was your, which was your question? Lo and behold, uh, prosecution was relatively easy. Save the data to the cloud, and then we invented a way to put that data on a public blockchain. That was a little more difficult and pretty amazing. Response, because we just send location, health data, audio, video to first responders. That's more of a political problem than a technology problem. But then we get back to prevention, which is what everybody wants. They would love to put away their attacker, but they, what they really want is not to be hurt in the first place. That gets more complicated because to prevent crime and somebody from being hurt, you have to sort of try to interpret how people will behave in those situations. And people behave dramatically different depending on the situation, depending on their background, depending on where they are, what's happening. So it's very difficult to predict and, and suggest solutions and to help people deter them from going into an event that could be dangerous. Some of the ways we are doing that is we alert people if it's a high crime area. And it could be with statistics, we can tell them, this is the time of night. You know, uh, you may know that when the temperature rises above 90 degrees in U.S. cities, violence increases. This is not a good time of night to be out in an area you've never been. Crime set tends to peak on these types of days in late July. We can alert people to those situations and try to steer them away from the violence and towards uh, safer locations. And we can even reroute their trip to where they're going on a safer route. That's just one of the ways. I don't want to get into all of them because they're kind of trade secrets until we release them and people are enjoying the product. But um, that's one of the several ways that we are doing that. So that's a really interesting point that you made about the temperature rising. Do you know like the psychology behind that? Is that simply because more people are like outside potentially or doing more social things? That's a really good point. Uh, to be frank, I never thought of it like that. I always thought of it how I feel when I am in my New York City apartment without air conditioning, humidity is 90%, the temperature is over 100 degrees. <laughs> I feel like I could, I had a very short fuse and I could, you know, if pushed the wrong way, I might react spontaneously in a poor way. I only have thought of it from an anecdotal standpoint, never thought of it statistically. Yeah, that's funny because um, I can completely understand that. I mean, yeah, I when bet, the temperature, yeah, when the temperature gets hot, it can be, I think we all react in that similar way. The only reason I, I thought about the thing of uh, people being outside is because it reminds me of a really interesting thing that one of my psychology professors said mm -hmm. uh, about not drawing a link between correlation. So he said, like, when um, 
when more ice cream is consumed by the population, crime goes mm -hmm. up. And he said the reason being <laughs> uh, is because like in the summertime, more people eat ice cream. However, in the summertime, more people are out and doing things and therefore their homes are empty and robbery goes up. No, it wasn't crime. Wow. It was robbery. So he said, OK, well, no, robbery is a crime. That's so interesting. That makes a lot more sense mm -hmm. than my explanation, which is just one man's uh, feelings when he is hot in his New York City apartment. I don't blame you. I think they're both uh, they both definitely have something to them. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was that always stuck with me. The idea that you can't obviously correlate uh consumption mm -hmm. of ice cream and robberies uh because <laughs> there's a link between that that you're not seeing so that's yeah why i don't know when i eat ice cream i always want to rob somebody i don't know about you but... <laughs> i'm usually just too full or want more or i eat it until i can't can't move so it probably reduces <laughs> then you've got to rob your neighbor chance. for ice cream right? yeah. yeah yeah okay so on um a slightly less uh, a slightly darker subject i guess you mentioned about like how it can help with like prosecution essentially and this might not be too yes. applicable for this because in most cases what i'm about to say like we know who the person is but could there be used to help tackle the issue of mass shootings at all particularly in school uh in schools oh across the US? we do believe so so that but we've thought about this years ago the question is again political will that we're willing to invest in solutions technology solutions that can help protect our students and teachers. So I spoke with my engineering friend years ago when I first started this, when I first realized that I wanted to prevent violence. He is an audio engineer. He explained to me that with three microphones, you can echolocate somebody within usually three meters if you have those microphones at the same time using AI. So, and we, we know several people in the uh, startup entrepreneurial space who are working on similar things. So we could probably partner with them. So if Zir is live in a school and a, and a shooter is coming in, we can echolocate with maps of the school where that shooter is in real time. Using very simple analytics, we can know what kind of gun it is, uh, shot sputter, um, and other uh, startups that I know are working on things like that too. We can know what kind of gun it is, when they need to reload, which way they're moving, if there's more than one shooter. And in real time, we could provide AR to teachers and students on when is the best time, where and how to get out of danger. So yes, the answer is yes. Now, predicting when somebody might become a shooter, that is not in our wheelhouse. Maybe someday it will be, but that's not where, that's not the solutions we are trying to provide yet. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it sounds like uh, it's an important tool what you're developing. And with regards to preventing, I did see something recently that was talking about this idea that there could be a law enacted where if someone suspects that they are a danger um, mm -hmm. to others, then they can put a case forward and mm -hmm. 
it can be essentially like um, their rights to own arms can be suspended uh, if the case um, is successful. And that means that individuals don't need to go to the police because many times they do go to the police and nothing gets done. Whereas in mm-hmm. this instance, they can go directly to the courts and Absolutely. try and have their rights um, revoked if they are considered a threat or do demonstrate like if they do present themselves as a threat and they talked about how like many mm-hmm. mass shooters do often post online and there's there's plenty of evidence before they actually commit the attack that something's going to happen. Yes, uh, I would love to tell you a little bit about that. So some states do have this already. New York State, I think California, two of the mm-hmm. states that I have lived, uh, probably about 16 other states. I would have to, don't quote me on that number. But also there is legislation that looks like it's going to pass. This, the federal government, thank goodness, because it's been decades since they've done anything with this that will have that same kind of protection across the United States, I hope. Yeah, me too. Technical standpoint, uh-huh. I was going to say quickly, mm-hmm. I do believe some of these social media companies t- could run algorithms and look for this kind of speech. And if not, you know, serve this, I mean, free speech is very important, but there is behavior and you understand behavior, <laughs> There is behavior that is indicative of putting somebody at a greater risk potential of committing some of these acts of mass violence. Yeah, and I think at the very least being flagged is an option. I mean, um, absolutely. yeah, it is stuff like you said. I'd love to know, you mentioned, obviously, of your own case, which inspired Zir, and we've spoken about mass shootings, and you also spoke about the options for, like, preventing someone from potentially going through a certain area at a certain time. Um, But I would love to know if there are any other theoretical kind of instances that you would love to share in which Zia could work. I I know that um, usually this is when I ask my uh, guests for like case studies, but since uh, Zia is still um, (laughs) in in its early stages, I'd love to know. Yeah, I'd love to know like uh, what you kind of envision, some examples of what Uh you envision it helping with. Here's one that we've thought about for a very long time, and it's in domestic violence. So domestic violence, you know, I, I talked to my, my local shelter. I've, we've been in touch with National Network to End Domestic Violence and other stakeholders in this space. So domestic violence victims often do not want to call police even when they're being hurt. But sometimes they do like to reach out to their family and friends for help. Our idea with Zier is that you can discreetly record evidence and not share it with anybody if you do not want to. That evidence is uploaded in real time to the cloud and it's put on a public blockchain so nobody could manipulate it, even if they're a, a, a computer whiz, if you will. Um, <clears throat> that data is saved to the cloud. Nobody can manipulate it. The abuser doesn't even know it's being recorded because the victim can start zero with the safe word and it's uploaded to the cloud. They have complete control of that, that information, that data. They don't want to share it. They do not have to. But let's say a month later, they're starting to get more tired of being hurt and nothing changing. So they say a different safe word that they already have set up. And Zier starts recording and alerts their emergency contacts with the live video location, et cetera. 
that emergency contact, sister, mother, cousin, neighbor, shows up, gets the poor person out of that situation temporarily, and it still records everything to the cloud, hatches it, et cetera. And then a month later, they're finally tired of it. They say a third safe word, zero alerts or emergency contact, sign, puts everything in the cloud and sends that real data in real time to 911 call centers so that they can send the police, arrest the SOB, and then she has, sorry, she oftentimes, sorry, statistically, those are the people being hurt, it was women. That person can put the other person in prison and they have months of data, months of evidence, so that cannot be a he said, she said problem, which is another way that we hope Zero is going to make a huge difference in mitigating crime is sexual assault. I can imagine, yeah, that would be incredibly useful in those cases as well. Maybe like, um, I'm trying to think of other cases where you need that kind of evidence or recording. I mean, I suppose in other instances, maybe even in work, if there's sexual harassment, mm -hmm. I suppose that could be another case. Absolutely. Um, as bizarre as it sounds, maybe even uh, in situations if there's like corruption or anything like that, I I'm going to really extreme scenarios in my head now. But yeah, I can definitely understand the necessity of how useful this could be. And if you want to flip it around a little bit, people that are, af that are afraid of being accused of violence, um, teachers have expressed interest in it who work in with troubled youths, that it does happen where they accuse the teacher of abuse. They can use this to create a chain of evidence that says that it did not happen. You know, what Zier wants to do with the evidence that we collect is hold a mirror up to the way society actually is. There is no alternative facts. <laughs> It's been said we live in a post-truth age. Well, if we do, I want Zero to take us to a post-post-truth age where, where everybody is held accountable for what they do and not held accountable for what they do not do. Mm -hmm. I would be interested to know, are there legal issues around recording people when they don't know they're being recorded? Because I thought that sometimes um mm -hmm. that can be an issue like if someone doesn't know they're being recorded it's is it like i'm not sure i'm not a legal anyway. expert by any means is it inadmissible or something like that there yes uh in most states but there are also ethical issues <laughs> that we could discuss but um so if it is in public no one has the right to privacy if they are in your house they do not have the right to privacy if even if they even if they live there if um, you're in their house, they have some right to privacy. But if they commit a crime, you have the right to record that crime. However, in four states in the US, including California and Pennsylvania, two states that I've lived and am living now, um, there is a 1976 wiretap law that says it's a, it's a dual consent state that they have to give consent to be recorded verbally, you know, audio. However, that is a very old law at this point. It's outdated for what its purpose was for. And I do believe if we catch a serial criminal, violent criminal, go to court with evidence 
and their audio is recording proves that they've done something, admitted to multiple crimes, that law could be reversed. It's it was intended for for people that had a uh, you know a supposed right to privacy, like on a cell on a cell phone, <laughs> on a payphone in 1976, that they should not. They're not. They they have the right to not be recorded without their consent. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. But the the data, you know, unless you're in their house recording them, um, you know, saying something off the cuff that might be considered wrong, um, but not necessarily legal, that's them. They certainly have a right to privacy. Okay, that makes sense. Now, I really just have one last question for you, and I would love to know, like, what's next for Zero in the sense that I know it's still very early stages, like I mentioned. But how do the next like year or two years uh, look in your head? Oh. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Good. Yesterday, I think I told you this. Yesterday, just the demo day for the Stacks Accelerator. We are raising our first round of funding. I have spent all of my money so far to build this product. Uh, in the last mm, six weeks, we have been speaking with universities to to allow Zier to be on college campuses to fight sexual assault, to allow students to feel safer in their community. So we are going to market right now. We are raising our first round of funding, $1.8 million, which should last at least 18 months. And, and, I, and so far, we've been running on a very, very tight budget, you know, six of us. And um, so for the next year, we hope to grow across the United States in both universities and municipalities we've already been working with. And... Um, yeah, we, I expect with it, with, if you talk to me at this time next year, we'll have triple the personnel, we'll be across many regions in the US and maybe even in the EU where we have been working with EENA, which is the arm of the, of the EU that is developing NG, Next Generation 112 architecture. Um, they've given us the sandbox that we can play in and our technology works very well over there, probably even better than it does here because they're a little more advanced. Fantastic. I love your optimism and I love the work you're doing. Oh, yeah. If if people are listening and they want to get involved or they'd like to um, find out more about Zero or just try Zero, what are their options? Well, you should send me a, a message if you want to try Zier Beta because I do not have this on the App Store and Play Store yet. We want to make 1,000%, and we're pretty close to that right now, that it is never going to fault. There's never going to be a problem. You can email us at info at Zierseif, that's zebra, echo, echo, roger, S-A-F-E.com. Or, of course, you can look us up at www.zierseif.com. And you can always follow me on Twitter at Adam David Jones underscore, or you can follow Zier on Twitter at ZierSafe. Um, and you can always message me directly if you have something interesting you want to talk about, especially if you're an ally in this space or you find a way that Zier could help you in your community. We are ready to help you. That is my goal in life now. All I really care about is stopping and stopping the violence that happened to me um, from happening to you or anybody else. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Adam. I would be curious to know before we end today's call, why the name Zia? Where did that come from? (laughs) 
It came from my very good friend, Bob Cohen in Mendocino, California, the man who helped invent the name Swiffer mm -hmm. in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I was really confused at first too, but what I have done in my life is I surround myself with brilliant people and I usually listen to them. Mm -hmm. um, and um, what he said was, it will mean what you want it to mean. Mm -hmm. When people start to understand what your mission is, zero will become synonymous with that mission mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of something that already has a definition in our, you know, English is our first language speakers. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I think a lot of the, the a lot of uh, companies which have now become like verbs have that in a way i mean i know uber was mm -hmm. is a word itself but not necessarily a, a a commonly used one before the application the same with google so uh -huh. potentially hopefully this could even become a verb too one day yes that's the idea i mean zeer is a word in dutch so apologize to my dutch friends but <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to reinvent your language <laughs> <laughs> excellent well adam thank you so much for joining me today i really do wish you the best of luck on your mission and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you folks produce. Thank you, Sam. I'll never quit. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Growing a company has many hurdles, from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search. Each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that's where our sponsor Publicize comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases, whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds on your business's online presence and gets high quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive a social media assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's publicize.co slash BBB. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.